appraisal report you'd like to have back? I mean, if you're doing an appraisal, you develop a, a credible opinion. I don't know, maybe it's an incredible opinion. But I remember very well when uh, doing relocation assignments, you're developing an opinion of an anticipated sale price. And boy, when you find out what that property sells for, if you were right on the money or or certainly close, you want to frame that one. You feel really good about it. But surely you have some appraisal reports you'd kind of like to have back. In other words, if somebody was examining some of your appraisal report products or even conducting an investigation, how do you feel about that? Have you ever been investigated? While your answer may be no, it may surprise you that another set of eyes have been looking at your reports. The real question is, are you ready to be investigated? I'm speaking today with Mr. Hal Humphreys, who is actually an investigator. Hey, Hal, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. How are you? Thanks for having me here. I'm doing great. Hey, for all our listeners out there, tell them what it is you do. Well, I am a certified general real estate appraiser, and I am a licensed private investigator. A real-life PI I've got on the program. So, you know, you you carry a gun, and you drive a convertible, and everybody's uh, looking up to you, right? I don't have a convertible. I don't own a gun. Um, I don't do that kind of investigation. (laughs) Tell, uh, tell our listeners also, I believe you've got a title called a Certified Fraud Examiner. Is that right? That's right. I'm a Certified Fraud Examiner, um, which means that I am a member of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. I'm a designated member. Uh, I have been for, I don't know, maybe six years or so. And you and, and for our listeners, if you ever get a chance to, to listen to how speak live or uh, I believe he's got a podcast and webinar series. Uh, check that out. How how can they uh, how how can they tune into that if they want to listen to you? Well, PI Education um, is a company that I run with a partner named Jim McLeod, and um, at PI Education we have monthly webinars. It's the third Wednesday of the month. Um, is it the third or fourth? Fourth Wednesday of the month. And um, we do it every month on the fourth Wednesday, and we talk about all things related to private investigations. Um, And then we have a a podcast called The Sound of Pursuit, and you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher and all of the other um, podcast streaming services. Awesome. So let's let's narrow this conversation down a little bit. I mean, I know you you really kind of are involved in big stuff like murder trials and, and uh, investigating uh, circumstances where somebody got shot or even killed, which is remarkable. But our listeners primarily today is is appraisers and, and users of appraisal services, and actually sometimes uh, appraisers might get shot at, but. Uh, Let's talk about that. So I think you're an investigator for a regulatory board as well. Is that true? I have done quite a bit of uh, investigative work for the state of Tennessee Department of Commerce and Insurance. Um, They regulate real estate appraisers, um, and I've done a a good bit of work for them over the past several years 
uh, reviewing appraisal work uh, that was submitted to the state with a complaint. And how, how does that, I mean, walk us through that process. I mean, I know you get a notification that um, there's some issues or potential issues. So how does that work? Um, and, and what are you normally finding? Are, are most appraisers' reports deficient or are, are most of them okay? I find that by and large, most appraisers are out there doing good work. Um, and the bulk of the appraisals that I get submitted for complaints are complaints along the lines of, man, I had this koi pond put in and the appraiser didn't give me any extra value for it, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. And and those, those complaints uh, stem from, you know, people in the general population not really understanding uh, real estate valuation theory. Uh, so those are fairly simple to review. Um, the problem is, I don't want to say it's a problem, it's the, the, the issue is when a report is submitted to the state for a complaint, the state has to review that report for USPAP compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a bit of a, of a sticky point for me. I don't like digging into people's work um, on those issues. But when the state of Tennessee calls me, that's part of my assignment is to review the report uh, for USPAP compliance and to address all of the issues of the complaint. Right, right. So, you know, our listeners need to be aware of the fact that even though it might be what what most folks view as a frivolous complaint, hey, the koi pond, you didn't, you missed that, or you know, I have four uh, fish instead of three, <laughs> or uh, you know, you got the square footage wrong. You're not just looking at the alleged violation you're looking you're doing a a very exhaustive or thorough examination of the report in its entirety right that's right i'm looking for use pap compliance and for issues that are articulated in the complaint right so appraisers really kind of need to be aware you know i mean it's it's um would it be safe to say that when you develop an appraisal and you write a report that the appraiser really ought to treat every assignment as though it may be on your desk for a thorough examination at some point. That's absolutely right. At the end of the day, my dad used to say to me, do every appraisal report as if it's going to end up in court. Um, And I hear people say that all the time. And obviously, we don't all approach our assignments with that attitude every time. Um, every one of us has a report out there that we wish we could get back. Um, you know, you're under tight deadlines, you're under, um, stress. I get it. Um, you know, you're, you're going to make mistakes, but one of the good things about USPAP is it does say clearly in the document that perfection is not possible. So when I'm reviewing reports for the state of Tennessee or for any other client for that matter, I like to give deference to the appraiser in the field doing the work. So I'm not out to get an appraiser. I'm not out to bust anyone. I'm out to help them, um, you know, do a better job as appraisers. Um, and if they've made some serious violations in USPAP, I'm, I have a duty to point that out. Um, if they've made some minor errors or they've made some clerical errors that might violate USPAP, I'll point that out, but I'll say, you know, these are minor violations and it, it very well could have been an oversight or a typo or something like that. Right, right. And it's, it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, eyes looking over our shoulders these days. And, uh, and we, like you said, we all make mistakes. Practice makes 
better. Practice doesn't make perfect because there's no such thing as perfection. Hey, let's shift gears real quick. Um, what about the fraud stuff? I mean, what are what are some of the challenges? You know, we see reports sometimes that, that I know I've got a report out there right now. And if you looked at it on the surface, it would look like I committed fraud. Now, I didn't. I don't do that. Uh, I have that, that. You say that now. That, that ethical line I don't cross. And I'm not a saint. I mean, for crying out loud, I ask my ex-wife. But when it comes to my appraisal practice, I, I don't cross that ethical line. Okay. So what is one of the challenges as a certified fraud examiner? I mean, why is it so difficult to prove fraud? Well, I mean, the first answer is it's difficult to prove fraud to prove fraud in appraisal uh, situations because it's just so very unlikely to have occurred. Gotcha. Um, for for fraud to um, be indicated, there are three criteria that are kind of broad brush criteria that have to be met. You have to have an opportunity to commit the fraud. Um, that means there are um, holes in the checks and balances uh, in a system. Um, you have to have some kind of pressure or motivation to commit fraud. And then the last thing is rationalization. So the, the, the pressure or motivation could be, you know, I've got really tight deadlines or I'm not going to you know, be paid if I don't get this done this way, something like that. And then the, the rationalization part is, well, everybody's doing it. Um, if you think back to the Enron um, um, investigation, a lot of the people in that uh, investigation said things like, well, everybody was doing it that way. <laughs> That's not a really good excuse. So in the appraisal profession, um, you know, the opportunity is very, very limited. Um, as, you're, as all of the appraisers out there know, when you do an appraisal for a bank or for a lending institution, um, they have a review appraiser that's going to look that over. There are, you know, procedures and processes through which they have to go to approve that appraisal to then use an underwriting loan. Um, so the opportunity to commit fraud is pretty limited. Um, the pressure issue is also, I think, pretty limited. At the end of the day, um, I worked on a case several years ago where an appraiser was accused of fraud. And they said that if he didn't meet the number, he was going to lose this client. Well, I mean, that client made up less than 5% of his book of work. And he has 12 appraisers on staff. And their book of work includes, you know, hundreds of clients. So it wasn't that big deal. There's really no pressure there. If he doesn't make that client happy and they drop him, it's not the end of the world. He's still going to eat tonight. He's still going to eat tonight. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of pressure that I mentioned is like, if I don't do this to the right number, I'm not going to get paid. I mean, that's a use path violation if you're doing a contingent fee, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that's wrong. Um, so again, opportunity and pressure is just not generally speaking there for appraisers. And then the rationale part, um, you know, I mean, you can't say, well, everybody's doing it that way um, because most appraisers are out there doing, um, you know, good quality, thoughtful uh, work. There are other forms of pressure that can come into this, such as personal uh, financial problems, um, mm -hmm. gambling debts, uh, drug addiction, drug addiction in the family. Those things can push people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Right. Um, but in the appraisal profession, the opportunity part of the what they call the fraud triangle is so limited that I think you would be an absolute insane fool to try to commit fraud 
um, as a real estate appraiser. Yeah, it's, it, people, it's just not worth it. I mean, I, the thing that I've never understood, and I've talked to a lot of uh, investigators and, and regulatory board members, executive directors of, of boards and whatnot, uh, one gentleman said I had a, an appraiser come into my office and was crying and said, you know, take my license. <laughs> uh, the director said, well, we, we'll be happy to take your license, but you've got, you know, the FBI is after you. So you've got, you've got more, uh, more issues on your plate. But I said, I don't understand why appraisers would, would do something so ridiculous for just a nominal fee. I mean, if you're going to be Jesse James, go after the gold for crying out loud. <laughs> that, goes, that, that goes directly to a point that I've, I've mentioned on a number of occasions. You know, you said earlier in the podcast, you said, I don't commit fraud. That's just not a thing that I do. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's got a number, right? There's a number <laughs> which you might consider committing fraud. I guarantee you that number is not $450. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, the, the, the director that, that I talked to said... You know, in in all instances that he's worked where there's been a a, a criminal element, that that none of the appraisers actually did it for the fee, which is amazing to me. Uh, they're actually doing it for the promise of future work. Which again, guys, wake up! It's not you know we're not just talking about losing your license or, or losing your livelihood. We're talking about potentially. Losing your freedom here a little bit. How? What if? What if an appraiser is uh, on the receiving end of a of a civil issue or, God forbid, a, a criminal issue, and maybe they want to engage you and and have you on their side? After all, you're you're not only a PI, you're you're a certified general appraiser. You understand what the practicing appraiser goes through on a regular basis. So, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and say, "Hey, I need some help, and I want you on my team." Uh, how would they reach out to you? I would suggest very strongly that they get me on their team by having their attorney call me. Uh, and I want to be really clear about that. I'm not an attorney. I don't offer legal advice. Um, the first advice I would give any appraiser who is um, on the, the, the short end of the stick on a complaint or a civil charge or something like that. Um, and I've had people call me and say, Hey, I've got a complaint filed against me. What do I do? I'm like, call a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you do. Yeah. And then you can tell your lawyer or your ENO insurance. I have a friend who is a certified fraud examiner, uh, uh, you know, an investigator for the state of Tennessee. He's willing to work on defense issues. Um, or, or you can call Brian Reynolds for that matter. You know, Brian does a lot of uh, litigation support work. So, um, first step, hire a lawyer. Second step, you know, have them engage, uh, someone who is qualified to help you walk through the valuation process because lawyers, even real estate lawyers, they're really good at the law and they've spent a lifetime and a career studying the law and how it applies to different situations. Most attorneys don't understand appraisal theory. So it's useful to have someone like me or Brian or Tim Anderson or someone like that on your team to help the lawyer understand all of the issues and the intricacies of uh, appraisal theory. The The second suggestion I would make to anyone who is on the receiving end of a complaint, um, make your work file available to the investigator, period, end of sentence. Um, and if your work file is not um not perfect right now, you have an opportunity to go to the references from your report, go to those sources and pull all that information into a work file and deliver that to the investigator. 
I've had probably 15 cases where an appraiser was accused of not considering highest and best use. Mm, Um, On the form report, they marked yes or no, and if they marked yes, they didn't explain anything. Mm -hmm. Um, In a lot of those cases, I have found in their work file a handwritten note, you know, legal, this is what it's zoned, this house is legally permissible, Mm-hmm. It fits on the site. They've worked their way through the highest and best use process. So they process. did. They did the development. They they, they adhered to standard one. Absolutely, just, you're saying it was just the report had a deficiency. Absolutely, and if your report has a deficiency, again, I would go back to perfection is not possible. We mm-hmm. all get that. Um, right. You made a mistake. Not the end of the world. Is it a violation of use pap? Yeah, technically. Have you done the work? If your work file shows you've done the work, as an investigator, I'm going to say they've done the work. And, yes, they didn't report it this way, and that may be a violation of USPAP, but they've done the work, and they did it in a competent and um, you know professional manner. Great. Excellent. Excellent. Hal, thanks so much for joining us today. I know you're a really busy guy. You've got a lot of things that you juggle on a regular basis. But, again, thank you for uh, participating today. And then, again, so if their attorney wants to reach out to you, what's the best way that somebody can get in touch with you? Really, the best way to get in touch with me is uh, through email. And my email address is hal, H-A-L, at storyboardemp, that's S-T-O-R-Y-B-O-A-R-D-E, as in echo, M as in Mike, P as in Papa, dot com. Mr. Hal Humphreys, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on, Brian. The Appraisal Update Podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning.